Uh, welcome to Moms Group. I am Sarah Jackson, and um, Ka- this is Catherine Sanchez. We are so glad you made it. I was just thinking, I was just talking to our fabulous speaker, Whitney, about just uh, mom life, and she's pregnant and has a toddler, and I was thinking about how I had literally just remembered this from when I was a little girl um, about how just like moms have no space and time <laughs> and and how we are hoping to create that for you here. So like get some food, get some coffee, go to the bathroom by yourself. <laughs> Nobody's going to ask you questions in there. Okay, so literally I had this really vivid memory. This is my mom, Sue, right here. And I had this really vivid memory from when I was probably like three or four come to mind the other day where I had followed my mom into the bathroom <laughs> as a little like toddler. And, and I, remember, <laughs> I remember her being like reciting this poem to me. Like, I have a little shadow who goes in and out with me and everywhere I go, my shadow wants to be. And I remember in my like three or four year old brain thinking, she sounds annoying. What, can I nap in your bed today? Kids are just not aware that, that they're glomming us. So creating these little spaces for ourselves is just so important and necessary. So we're really glad you're here. Thank you for coming. You're going to love hearing from Whitney today. Um, did you have any? Yeah. Um... Lord, we're just so thankful for the opportunity to come together as moms and grow with one another, inspire one another, and just be present with one another. Thank you for creating this space, and I just pray that you will speak to us. I pray that you will guide our hearts as we're discovering and growing as a mother and what it looks like just to speak words of truth and wisdom over our children, and I just pray that we will find this place as a safe place Enter this space, fill us with your Holy Spirit and your presence. May we be able to receive the word that Whitney has for us. And I just pray blessings over each mom here. In your name, amen. Thank you, Catherine. I'm I'm glad we took a minute to do that. Uh, So our speaker today is Whitney Lowe. um, So we met on a trip last summer. Um, We went down to the... Mexico border in El Paso with an organization with World Relief, and I got to know her, found out she's also from Colorado, and that she had moved from Santa Barbara, which I was like, number one, why did you leave Santa Barbara? Are you friends with Harry and Meghan? But but, um, I started following her on Instagram, and she has this amazing um, Instagram Um, community where she is just posting all this content that's so theologically sound and um, just encouraging people to dive into their Bibles. So I asked her to come speak to us today, and I'm just really excited to hear what she has to say. So let's welcome Whitney. Hi. Um, Yes, my name is Whitney Lowe, and... um, I'm excited to be here. I actually just started like a mom's group at my church. I didn't start it. I started going to it. Um, Also, I'm going to get really out of breath. It's not because I'm like having a meltdown. It's just my lungs don't have space. Um, But anyway, I just started a mom's group and 
it's like my favorite thing ever because you get to have a whole cup of hot coffee and you get to talk to grown-ups, which is really fun for me right now. And um, I don't know, it's just nice to not have to spend 10 minutes in context of like what sleep training is and what baby led weaning means. And like people get it, you guys know what you're all kind of going through right now. I think that's so cool. So this is kind of just like my favorite type of place at the moment. I've got a 20, almost two year old, not, <laughs> not 22. He's 21 months old and he will be two in December. Um, but yeah, I met Sarah this summer. It was so fun. I think you're the best. I love that you lead this and I think it's just so special that you've created this space. But just to share a little about me, um, I'm married to a pastor, his name's Tanner, and we met at school in Santa Barbara. We went to a tiny little college called Westmont, if anyone's heard of it. A lot of Colorado people go there, weirdly. But anyway, um, we were both religious studies majors. Then he went, he got his master's degree. Um, I moved back to Denver, which is where I'm from. And then we got married in 2017, at which point we moved back to California, Orange County, actually. So kind of swapped places with who used, who used to lead this group, right? The Pacquiams. Um, so we know that church really, really well that they ended up at. Um, but anyway, then he was there in young adult ministry, college ministry for five years. And during that time, we had our first baby, and his name is Judah, and he is insane. And I love him, but I'm okay with him not being here now. <laughs> My husband's got him, which is great. Um, so yeah, we, we had a baby right in the middle of the pandemic in California because we were like, how do we make this chapter of life less complicated? <laughs> um, so we've kind of been navigating that since, and then we actually moved back to Colorado last year, which again is where I'm from, and my husband is now a pastor at a church called Mission Hills in the South Metro area. So that's kind of big picture me. Um, and the reason Sarah, I think, asked me to come here today is because I really do, I love the Bible. And I've loved the Bible for most of my life. That's why I studied religious studies in college. Um, and yeah, when I started the Scribble Devo's Instagram account, the whole heart behind it was just not to give people this comprehensive devotional or teach them everything about theology, but just to say, especially to like the college and young adult girls, you don't think the Bible has anything to say to you, but look, it does. Like you can read it and hear God. You can find yourself in the story, or rather you can find God in the story and how God is trying to love you day to day. And to disrupt that scroll of like comparison that I think so many of us find ourselves caught in. But when Sarah asked me, I was honored. I said yes. And then I like panicked a little bit because <laughs> to be honest, um, the last two years have been really, really hard. I felt kind of detached from that part of my identity. I've had to really, really fight for it. Um, so, so I was like, oh no, <laughs> like how am I going to get up here and talk about this and be genuine and authentic about it? Um, so just to kind of break it all down, in early 2020, we decided we wanted to start a family and pretty immediately suffered a loss that like knocks me on my butt. And like I know there are people in this room who've gone through that. Um, I know it's a common story, but I had never questioned God like that before. I'd never been in a situation where I was that confused about his will and how it interacted with my life. Um, and I would say it kind of sent me in a little bit of like a tailspin of not even knowing what to do with the word of God, not knowing what to do with God. And then, so that's February. And then March is the global pandemic. So I'm already feeling isolated and I'm already feeling like, what's going on here? 
Um, and then literally I'm isolated from everyone in my community. Um, and I thought I was doing fine, but instead of like going to therapy in the midst of this very challenging mental health season for most people, um, I was like, no, 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 we're just gonna get pregnant ASAP. And so we did in April. <laughs> so all this stuff happened super, super fast. And then I got to do COVID pregnancy, which I can tell some people have done, <laughs> just doing the math, um, which was anxious in and of itself, especially after a loss. Like going to these appointments by myself was really hard. Again, just like couldn't feel God in a lot of that. Um, and then we had the baby and I'm like, we did it. The baby's here. Everything's good. No more stress. But postpartum anxiety <laughs> that I was in denial about for a long time. Um, and that kind of absorbed everything, you know, like it takes the healthy habits that you had. It takes your relationships that you needed. It takes um, all of those things that kind of make you feel like you. And I just threw it all into this baby and my stress about keeping him alive, specifically with relationship to nursing. Like, Oh boy, it was just like the most immersive stress I've ever felt in my entire life. And I didn't know I was in it until, if we're being honest, probably like six months ago is when I've looked back and been like, oh, that was nuts. And I was like, not healthy at all. Um, so, you know, <laughs> don't tell anyone, now I'm pregnant again. <laughs> we're keeping it a secret. No, I'm due in November. Um, so it's just, things have been moving fast. And then, you know, we moved back um, last year, which put a pretty big strain on my marriage. It just feels like, the last two years have been wave after wave. And none of that has enabled me to kind of get my head above water and remember like, oh, I love the Bible and here's why. Like I don't feel the Bible the same way I used to feel the Bible. And I know I'm not alone. Like I'm actually kind of tired of hearing people say, oh, 2020 was so hard, but like it was, it was hard and that's okay. I think all of us had different things that we were going through. Um, so we're starting off light. <laughs> I, will just, I will just kick it off with some confessions. Um, the pre-baby, pre-COVID me really craved scripture. I like wanted it. And now I don't feel that way almost ever. Like I know I want it, but I don't want it. Um, the old me knew that I would come to scripture feeling worn out, but I would leave feeling renewed and refreshed. And now <laughs> I like have felt neither new nor fresh in quite some time. <laughs> um, and you know, the old me, I think, I knew that there would be time to dig in. So I would have 60 minutes to get out the commentaries and really compare the different passages and learn something, take it away, apply it. And now I've got 10 extra minutes. And honestly, I want those 10 extra minutes for me. Like I want to spend extra time getting ready or I want to just zone out on my phone. Um, and I used to think it was just all about discipline, right? It was like, just make the time. And I gave a talk to some high schoolers in 2019, and I thought I could repurpose the talk. So I was like, no prob, we're good. And then I started reading it, and I was like, oh my gosh, no. Because I think maybe the only thing we have as moms is discipline sometimes. Like, if your baby's crying, you're getting up to go get him. Like, if your kid needs something, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter if you're comfortable. You're going to handle that thing. So it's not just about, like, Mm, too lazy. I want to eat food and sit on the couch. Like, you know, there's more to it. I think motivation looks different. I think time looks different. And all that to say, um, I just find myself really struggling to read the Bible, even though this is like the core of how I've always thought of myself. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but like, I want to want it and I want to love it and I want to crave it, uh, but I just don't. 
So, what do we do? Does anyone have ideas? Do you want the mic? <laughs> you can come up. Um, I'm not sure that I have any business up here today, but um, I will say that the one... <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to keep talking either way. Um, <laughs> The one really good thing about this chapter has just been that I can no longer rely on my feelings about God and about the Bible. And I've had to kind of take some time to figure out, like, okay, why does the Bible matter? How does it work? Um, and that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. So we're going to start with why the Bible matters. Then we're going to talk about how it affects change in us. And then, you know, we'll cover some practical ideas that I have yet to implement slash I'm trying to implement to kind of just make this, make this manageable because I think the bottom line is like we do need it and I think we want the power that it can bring to our lives, but um, we're gonna have to get a little creative. Um, so anyway, let's start with why it matters. Um, this book that I am holding, <laughs> um, this book is not about us. Um, it's not about how to be a good person, it's not, a self-help book that's supposed to make you feel better when you're having a rough day. It's not a book of rules, and it's not a love letter from God to you. There are elements of all of those things, absolutely, 100%. Um, but at the end of the day, this book is about God, and it's about God's glory. Um, it's about his character and how he's pursuing us. So what, for whatever reason, and you know, there's, there's some faith to this, and we'll get into that, but this is how God decided to reveal himself to us as people. Um, this is one of the primary ways that we're able to encounter him on this side of heaven. And really the point I want to make is that reading the Bible, it's a relational activity. You're not just consuming information. You're not just trying to find yourself in the story. You're trying to learn about God so that you can learn about you. So just kind of in thinking about this, I was like, you know, I've got all these friends from college, and I've got some bridesmaids who, hopefully I'll see one today. She lives down here. Haven't seen her in a really long time, but that's kind of the point. Um, but my best friend in college, we lived together for three years. We had everything in common. Like, I love this girl. We kind of went different directions after school, and, and that's been weird, but I still think of her as a close friend. But then I was thinking about it, and I was like, I haven't had a phone call with her in a year, like minimum, like one year. And yet I still think of her as a close friend. But I don't know the guy she's marrying next summer. I've never met him. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what her job is. <laughs> like, honestly, I couldn't tell you. Um, and I don't know how her dreams have shifted since we were in school together. Like, I don't really know her anymore, but I still think of us as close. And I think we do this with God pretty frequently. We want the life and abundance, and we want the power of being in a relationship with him, but we don't actually put a lot of effort into knowing his character and his heart. Um, even though we've got this like permanently standing invitation and he tells us exactly where to go to get to know him, we're kind of just, oh, he's, he's a good friend. But you know, we, we expect the abundance to follow even if we're not putting the time into that relationship. Um, so Jen Welkin puts it like this. The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. And I don't think you can um, seek to know someone. I don't think you can know someone at all if you don't seek to learn about them. And Jesus talks about this in John 5, 29, where he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So I think we come to scripture looking for ourselves. Like, what does this have to say about me? Where do I see myself in the story? Um, 
But the eternal life and that peace and that joy is found only when we come to Scripture looking for Christ. So the Bible is not going to give you a blueprint for an easy life if you follow these 10 steps and don't break these 10 rules. But the Bible will reveal how God is perfect and holy and how he's therefore trustworthy. And it will show how his mercy is going to work all of those hard things you're going through together for your good and for his glory. Um, The Bible is absolutely not going to make you feel good every time you read it. Um, I recently read this passage in Judges that, like, really disturbed me. (laughs) Like, I had to kind of walk away and be like, hey, I've read the Bible my whole life, and I know I've read it cover to cover. I don't remember this story. Super hard. Like, it was just brutal. So you're not going to walk away feeling like, oh, that was so nice. I feel so inspired all the time. But the Bible will reveal how God uses those dark things against darkness itself. It will show you how God is fervently fighting evil and darkness back and how there's a Savior who is going to heal every hurt and right every wrong. And last, I think, you know, we know this intuitively, especially if you've been in church for a while, but culture, culture does not. But the Bible should not affirm you every time you read it. It should not make you feel amazing about yourself because the Bible should be telling you what is true, which is that you're broken, the world is broken, um, you're sinful. um, And you know what? It's also going to reveal that God's love is the root of his character um, and that he's freed us from the sin and brokenness that we feel the burden of on a daily basis. So really, this book is grace. (laughs) This is somewhere that we know we can go to hear truth, and we know we can go learn about a God who otherwise might feel really distant, might feel uh, mysterious, might feel too supernatural to understand. Um, And I think when we can approach it as that kind of resource, that's when we really start to see all that it's capable of, when we seek God's face for ourselves. And a sermon can't replace that. A Bible study, well, I guess a Bible study could do that because that's the point. But listening to someone else's version of the Bible can't do that. You have to get in it for yourself. And I think that kind of speaks to the other reason why the Bible matters. And that's because it reminds us who God is and it therefore informs us about who we are. So I'm on Instagram a lot as we have established. And if you just scroll through, I mean, it's like every other quote is about self-care or self-esteem. It's just a lot of self. Um, And some of that stuff I see the the meaning of, the purpose behind, whether it's, you know, there are a lot of people who don't feel like they have anything to offer. There are a lot of people who don't have boundaries and need some help with that. However, um, I just Googled inspirational quotes on Pinterest. So I Pinterested them. Um, But one of the first ones that popped up was, Don't be afraid to put yourself first. And again, I kind of see what they're getting at. But in Philippians, it straight up says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So I say that only to illustrate. The Bible is saying things that are sometimes directly opposed to the stuff that I think we're mindlessly consuming on social media and in our culture. And that was a big part of starting the Scribble Devos page was just to get in the way of all of these things that no matter how discerning of a person you are, like they are seeping into your brain all the time. And I think, I think of myself as, you know, I know better, I know the right things. So I'll scroll through social media, just assuming that it's neutral, um, when in actuality, I think these messages really do penetrate to really deep parts of our hearts. 
if we're not super careful. And you know, everyone, just pull up your screen time report. Let me know how many hours a day you're on your phone. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that a good chunk of that is on social media. Um, and you'll see one post. It's a friend from high school who her life looks perfect, and it makes you feel like you're behind. And then the next post is going to be some influencer with millions of dollars who has surgically modified every part of her body. And all of a sudden, you're thinking about the abs that you almost had in college. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, our brains get on these tracks, and that stuff sticks with us in ways that I think do really form us. And I think that if we can get in the way of that with a message from the Lord, with a message from Scripture, um, it's really the only way to keep us from being formed by the world um, and to show that God's trying to talk all the time. God's trying to counteract those messages all the time and that the Bible will have the same exact effect of getting into our hearts without us having to think too hard about it if we just spend time in its presence. Um, the culture that we're in, it makes us feel horrible about ourselves just like all the time. We're never, we're never blank enough and we know that. That's not like a hot take. Um, it's also funny, though, because on the flip side, they're also telling us that we're amazing all the time and that nothing needs to change. So very confusing <laughs> to try to grow. <laughs> um, but we're all in this pendulum swing, right, between self-loathing or self-absorption. It's one or the other. Like, we either feel so good because our post got a lot of likes or we're feeling like we compare well to someone else that we're looking down on or, you know, the post didn't do well or whatever it is. And, like, we're just trapped in this, I'm never going to be enough. And the one thing I remember, the singular thing I remember from high school physics is that pendulums keep swinging until something disrupts them. And so how do we disrupt it? Because otherwise we're stuck. So the point is this, um, there's incorrect and confusing messaging getting into our brains all the time, whether we know it or not. And if we're not regularly reading truth about who we are, we will absolutely start believing those lies unconsciously. So the ideas of this world are going to be the predominant things forming our self-perception, unless, again, we are pursuing the word of God. We have to find ourselves by looking up to the one who made us, the one whose image we're created in, if we really want to understand who we are. Um, and I, I do believe that the better we get to know him in the Bible, the better we will understand who he is and what he wants for us, the more we'll actually believe him when he says the things about us that feel unbelievable, like that we are children of God, like it says in 1 John 3, 1. Um, the more that we will actually trust his plan for us and the less that we'll have to like muscle our way into this faith that we know we're supposed to have. Because you can't expect for that truth to feel true. It doesn't feel true. It's countercultural. It's not going to just be like, God says he loves me. He's the God of the universe. He sent his son to die. Like, none of that is normal to say, you know, <laughs> like you have to cling to truth and faith. You have to know the God who is in this Bible to really live your life according to that promise. Um, and that's kind of, I guess, the main point of the why is that the Bible is about God. If we approach the Bible correctly as being about God, um, then we'll start to see its power in our lives. And we'll also find that over time, we are actually changed. So I do think we need to spend some time on how that works because it is a little um, confusing to think about. But I think probably some of us here have, have seen that. We've seen scripture in action. Um, and like for me, I am a really naturally stubborn person. And I thought that that was an asset, you know? I thought that got me places in life. And then I got married, and it turns out 
that is a liability. <laughs> it is not super helpful to be so stubborn all the time about everything. And I remember early in our marriage, we got in kind of a bad fight. I was really digging my heels in, and God just decided that he was going to send me this little psalm here that I just love. Um, and it's Psalm 32.9. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curved with bit and bridle, else it will not stay near you. So, like, I get to be the horse. This verse makes me feel very cute. Um, but, you know, even just having that verse in my head, like, I don't know that that was enough to change me and my natural response to conflict. Um, so God had to do more work with that. And it's been, you know, we've been married five years. It's probably been around that since I kind of started on this journey of trying to part with that, that stubbornness and that selfishness. And, and I've seen God do things. But, but like, how, you know? Um, and the first part I think we forget is that it's supernatural, you know, it's a, it's a book that God gave power to, you know, there's power in here. And so sometimes I think we read the Bible and we just look for an application point when actually it's just a supernatural and mysterious process that we trust. We trust that God works through. Um, so Hebrews 4, 12 to, 12 to 13 says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must answer. So again, there's just like, there's mystery in that. Um, God tells us that there's spiritual power in his word. He tells us that his word can cut through the disguises that we're trying to wear, he tells us that his word can cut through the baggage that we're carrying that feels too heavy. Um, he tells us in this passage that it can help us discern right from wrong in situations that we would otherwise have no idea. <laughs> um, and he tells us that it can show our true motives, what we're really worshiping and following with our lives. And all of that is like insane to say about a book. Like a lot of people think of this as a historical document, even Christians, it's a historical document. It's just a book. And, and so Hebrews 4, those are a lot of claims to make about, like, paper. Um, but God ordained that every book and every sentence and every letter would reveal his character to us in ways that also bring about change in our lives. And that does feel crazy, but I do think there's a certain degree of just showing up and saying, God, this is how you've decided to show yourself to us, and I trust you, so I'm going to show up. And I think when we do that, it starts, to, it starts to feel less like work and less like striving. Um, but there was actually this passage in Jeremiah 23 that I didn't remember, but it says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? So in those moments where it feels like the Bible is not powerful in our lives, I think clinging to that truth that it can do hard and big work um, is so key. And kind of off of that, and off of what we talked about earlier, the other way the Bible changes us is that when we're reading it correctly, the focus is no longer on us. It's not about us at all. We're not the center of the narrative. So we can't just like, I used to do this in high school all the time, and actually I think God kind of showed up in it. But anyway, we shouldn't. Just open the Bible and like, I, uh-oh. <laughs> nope, I'm not getting that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man, that would have been weird. Um, Anyway, you can't just open it up and like expect it to say exactly what you need it to say. Because if it did that, that would mean it was about you, everything, everything in it. Um, 
there's this really awesome sermon from Matt Chandler, who you've probably heard of, especially recently. Um, but anyway, this is from a few years ago, and I just love this quote, so I'm going to read it. You keep infusing yourself into the stories of the Bible like you're the hero. Now, this happens all the time, right? So I want to be straight. I love you enough to be straight. You're not David, all right? Your trouble in life is not Goliath. Because if that's true, if you're, if you're David, you're in a lot of trouble because you miss. You fling your stones and you miss, and Goliath's still there, and now what? If we're the centerpiece of the narrative, then our power is going to continuously fail, which of course is going to make us question the power of Scripture, which of course is going to make us question the power of God. So it's actually imperative to us believing and seeing the power of the Bible that it isn't about us. When we read it to understand and know God's character, we're naturally going to be less focused on ourselves and on our insecurities and on our anxieties. We're going to be naturally less offended by other people. Um, and I think all of that really just helps to point to the greatness of God. And I think we'll see, you know, that old hymn that says, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Um, and in thinking about this, I was kind of like, you know that moment, I'm, I'm a three on the Enneagram, and I am ambitious by nature, but you'll, you'll hear a sermon, or you'll hear some podcast or a TED Talk, or encounter this new fitness plan, and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this, and it's going to change my entire life. Like, we got it. We're going to, I don't know. I'm not sure what a good example would be. But anyway, you hear something, and you know where you want to end up, and you know why you want to end up there. But then you get home, and you're sitting down trying to figure out how you're actually going to implement that thing, and it's extremely overwhelming. <laughs> like, you don't know how to get to that place. And I, I do think this is the same for especially believers, because we have this sense kind of looming over us all the time of what a good Christian looks like, and we know that we should be that thing. So we know we shouldn't be bitter and resentful toward our husband. We know that we shouldn't yell at our kids. Uh, we know that we should probably be serving people in need more intentionally. We know that we should be doing more in church and giving more to the poor. And there's just all of these ideas floating around above us that we can never measure up to. And so we're just constantly overwhelmed. Unless, ironically, we are meeting God every day in his word. And I know that's confusing because a lot of these ideas about what a good Christian looks like come from the Bible. But what I have found is that when I am distant from God, I'm just stressed out about not measuring up. But when I actually sit down and read the Bible, I see how the Holy Spirit is trying to lead me that day, the little bite-sized chunk of work that he's trying to do in my life, and the little thing that God is trying to tackle Maybe big thing, but the little way that God is calling me deeper into himself. So it's no longer about like, oh, I have a million boxes that I need to check to be good enough for God. It's just about where is the Holy Spirit trying to direct me? And so much of the time, that information comes directly through scripture. And it just lines up in this beautiful way where you'll have committed to read James and you didn't know what was going to be going on in your life when you got to that particular passage, but God did, and God's going to call you into, you know, there's that passage, for example, in James that I read yesterday about um, not showing preferential behavior toward rich people, for example. Like, like, what is he asking me to do there? What is he trying to grow in me today? And what can I just follow his lead on? Like, it's so beautiful and freeing. So it's no longer about perfecting it all at once. It's just about following the Holy Spirit. 
Um, but I've also found myself mad at God for not speaking, you know? Um, I can't hear your voice. I don't know what you're doing. I'm really struggling. Can you just say something to me? Like, help. Um, and I, I, guess, I guess it's like if you never listen to his voice, the primary way of doing so is opening the Bible. Like, how are you going to know if he's talking to you? <laughs> I think that's one of those big things that we used to talk to the college girls about all the time because they'd come back from their first semester and they would be so upset that they felt distant from God because they didn't have their same church community and they'd be like, God's just not speaking. And it's like, well, do you, do you read your Bible ever? <laughs> I'm like, no. Well, how do, you, how do you expect to know what his voice is going to sound like when he's trying to reach you, when he's trying to love you? Um, yeah, I think if we only open our Bibles in these crisis moments or the moments that feel right to us, Basically, what we're doing is hanging our entire relationship with the God of the universe on a couple moments a month or a year or whatever that is. And then that means that when God is pursuing us and is trying to speak to us in all of these various ways, we're going to chalk it up to coincidence. Because sure, God can speak through the sermon or the friend who sends the encouraging text. But again, if you don't know what his voice sounds like, how are you going to identify it when he is trying to show you that you are deeply seen and known? So, again, he may be speaking through that friend, but we need to know his voice in order to actually receive that. When we open the Bible, we give God the chance to speak directly to what we're dealing with. And I think he does often bring us to the perfect verse about who he is so that we can rightly understand where we are. Um, and there's this really beautiful prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah that I think speaks to this. Um, Isaiah 30, 20 to 21. Though the Lord may give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction... Yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher. And when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Um, and Jenny Allen puts it this way. Connection with God is the foundation for every other God-given tool that we have to fight with. Um, so there's one other thing that I felt like called to touch on today. And... I guess it's just that I feel like our culture is just anxious. Like, all of us are individually anxious as well. That's obviously running rampant, but um, it's just this cultural anxiety that I see. Um, and, you know, there's a lot going on that is very valid and very um, worth concern, you know? So these questions of good and evil, these questions of school systems and conspiracies and... Um, Supreme Court decisions, like all of this is happening, but we're all just so primed for conflict and we're also possessive of the things that we have. And I see a lot of Christians who are just really stressed out and really, really angry. Um, and that is concerning to me. But again, I understand because I know that when I'm distant from God, all of the darkness does feel a little too dark <laughs> and all of the stuff that's going on feels too heavy and feels too overwhelming and it feels like I need to hunker down and like protect my own. Um, but I don't think that that's biblical. And I've noticed that when I'm close to God and when I'm in the Bible regularly, it is so much easier for me to look for opportunities to actually serve and actually participate in being the light instead of just like laying awake at night thinking about what the world's gonna be like for my children. I find that I'm much quicker to find opportunities to serve and do God's will and way less likely to argue about it online. And I find that the darkness doesn't terrify me anymore. Um, it motivates me to do what God has called me to do 
which is to enact his kingdom on earth and to be the light of the world. So the word of God, it's not just cutting through our bones and marrow. It's cutting through the noise and the chaos of our culture. And it gives us a clear sense of our own identity and truth. And by doing so, the Bible enables us to actually see clearly. And when we see clearly, I think we see that God is still on the throne and that we are not on the throne and that that's a very good thing. We start to see that the darkness cannot and will not prevail. And we start to see that there are real, tangible, and specific ways that God is calling us individually into participation in his kingdom here on earth right now. And that's like a huge calling. And sure, it like sounds overwhelming maybe when I'm saying it right now. But again, when you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, you know how to tackle it because the Holy Spirit will show you how to tackle it. So there's all this peace. Um, there's all of this beautiful truth that I think God has in the Bible for our culture right now in 2022. And there is actually science to back all of this up. Um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to cite every bit of the research, but I do have it if you want it and are that type of person. Um, but this is also from a Jenny Allen book. When we constantly, or when we turn off the constant distractions and sit quietly before God, focusing intently on his word and really meditating on it, a few things happen. Your brain will be physiologically altered. Your imagination will be rewired. The kind of brain waves present during relaxation increases and anxiety and depression decrease. Your brain stays younger longer, you'll have fewer wandering thoughts, and your perspective will eventually shift. Charles Stanley says, when we take the time to listen to what God has to say to us, we will see how much he loves us and wants to help us through every situation in life. He gives us the confidence to live extraordinary lives in the power of his spirit and his grace. Um, so great. We've covered the why of why the Bible matters and the how of how it operates in our lives, at least kind of touched on it. Um, but again, there's kind of that point of overwhelm of like knowing where you want to go, knowing why you want to go there, but it's overwhelming to try to figure out how to get there. And I am not the person who is ever going to say, well, just find the time. Oh, you say you have no time? Yes, you do. You have time. Um, because I don't have any time. <laughs> like, I truly, truly believe that. Um, so it's really, it's overwhelming to be like, how do, I, how do I encounter God in a way that will impart this kind of power and beauty in my life when I feel so overwhelmed with the things that God has lovingly put on my plate right now? Because they're good things. Um, I have a lot of things demanding my attention. Um, and that makes it really hard. And I think even, again, like your emotional real estate is so limited that it's, we don't even have, again, the motivation. Like we, we're wanting to want it. That's where all my energy is going. <laughs> um, but I did think of some things that were just maybe practically helpful. So as we go through kind of these steps, I would encourage you guys to all just maybe find one that seems, seems reasonable for you. Um, and the first one is, is an honest time inventory. Because while I say I have no time, and I really think that that's true a lot of days, I also just took a second to look at, again, screen time, um, what I do when my baby doesn't fight his nap for 45 minutes and I get some lovely time back. Um, and I realized that the first thing I do in the morning is I pick up my phone and I look at my notifications on Instagram and on Facebook and I read my work email. And if my toddler sleeps in a little bit, sometimes that's like a good 20 minutes, you know? And I'm just like tired, but you know, there's a little time there and that's just me being honest. Or before I go to bed at night, 
I don't know why I'm going to tell you this, but my hormones make me watch. <laughs> my hormones make me watch. Um, <laughs> really, really dumb reality TV. And I've been on a big kick with Married at First Sight for a while now. And that is on Lifetime. And this is, again, very embarrassing to admit. Um, but I'm just exposing myself. It's okay. Um, so, you know, I mean, if we're being honest, there is a little bit of, of margin that I could even just cut five minutes from. No one's saying you can't relax and watch TV anymore. No one's saying you can't be on social media, but can you take back some of that time and put that toward um, that powerful time in God's presence? Um, if you really are in a stage, though, where like you don't have time, and I think as many days as I watch reality TV and look at my phone, there are days when the baby's up before me, we are go, 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 it's doctor's appointments, it's my full-time job, it's my side job, it's marriage, like, there are as many days like that where I have no time to stop. Um, I think we have to get a little creative, and one way that I'm going to be experimenting with a little bit more is audio Bibles. There's some really good ones. Um, the Dwell app in particular, it plays really vibey background music, um, so you kind of feel like you're in a spot if you pick the right one, and then you can pick an Australian person to read it, which is a fun new experience. Um, <laughs> or any, any accent. Um, but I've just been wondering, like, okay, so what if instead of listening to a podcast when I'm in the shower, I listen to a chapter of the Bible? Or what if, say it's like just the drive from my house to the gym that was on in my car? Because then, you know, your kids, your kids benefit too. I think clinging to that can be a really cool way of seeing change not just in your life, but imparting that habit to your children. Um, just getting creative about how we can maybe encounter the Bible in ways that we are not used to. And I think even like the Bible app has a version of it now too. There's a number of places you can go. So kind of on that same note, um, has anyone here read Atomic Habits by James Clear? Nice. It was pretty popular a couple years ago. I did read it cover to cover. I remember nothing at all, similar to high school physics. But the one thing that stuck with me is this cool idea of habit stacking which is where you take like a habit that is already really established in your life and you kind of piggyback a habit that you're trying to build into your life on top of it. Um, so I think with the audio Bible, for example, this could be really easy. Like, again, could it be during a drive that you do every day, even just five minutes? Or I've got my little Sonicare toothbrush. It goes for two minutes. Like, could I pull up my Bible app on my phone and read for two minutes? Like, if that's all I have that day, could I do that? Um, so, along with the time inventory, like, what habits do you have locked and loaded right now? Um, brushing your teeth, exercising, drinking coffee every morning, showering. I do one of those things every day. Guess which one? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I do brush my teeth every day, and I shower periodically. Um, <laughs> but anyway, like, what, what habits maybe have some space that you could build this habit in on top of them? I think there's a lot of potential there that I never thought about. Um, and kind of in writing this talk was like, there's actually some really cool ways, I think, that we can encounter God if we, if we started to even just layer on top of the things that we already know we have the discipline to do every single day or the social pressure to do every single day. <laughs> um, and kind of while we're here, I, I want to talk about community and how important that is to this process. Because my guess is there's like probably one-ish at every table, like the Bible nerd friend who just like loves the Bible and like does all the Bible studies and, and really understands it. 
And what I think is cool about that is that there are just some people who from a really early age, um, you know, they grew up in a family of believers or they were exposed to really great teaching and their heart just naturally gravitates toward understanding the Bible. You need those people in your life. Because like we talked about earlier, there absolutely 150% of the time will be days that you read the Bible and you don't like what you read. And you're like, that was a really gross story and I don't understand what this is supposed to tell me about God. And that's when you need to process with other people who maybe do understand the Bible a little better or who are just more seasoned at it than you are. So having that person on deck for both the accountability of building this habit, but also for processing the hard days, I think is the thing that'll keep you going sometimes. Um, so point out your weird Bible friend in the room. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but find that person, find that mentor. Um, and similarly, I think what stops a lot of people from actually showing up every day is that they just don't understand what they're reading. Like it's confusing and it's hard. And the great news is there are a lot of resources for that. Um, one that I've recently been really excited by is the Bible Recap with Tara Lee Cobble. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of her, but she has a Bible in a year plan. And it's awesome because it goes chronologically, like literally in the order that the events in the Bible happened, um, not by genre, which is kind of how it's organized. But anyway, you go through the Bible in a year, you read the passage, and then she has a podcast that she puts up every day that explains the theology and the context and all the stuff that might have given you pause when you were reading it. For me, the Bible in a year is way too fast. I read the Bible in three years, and it was still a lot. Um, but, you know, every three days, like, turn it on, process, understand, and I think once you start to see how to think about Scripture, it becomes so much easier to want to engage with it. So kind of depending what your hurdle is, I think that there are ways we can get creative and try to just let God meet us there. Um, so that brings me to, I guess, what is my biggest piece of practical advice that I think applies to everyone, and that is to not be ashamed to just bring what you have. There are a lot of people like me in 2019 talking to high schoolers who will tell you, you got to just muscle through. You got to just make the time. You got to just do it. Um, and me now is very aware of my own weakness here and the fact that I, I don't have enough to like please God on any given day with my Bible reading or to transform myself on any given day by reading the right passage and reflecting on it properly. Um, God's not offended that you don't like the Bible, <laughs> and he's not mad at you about that, and he's not disappointed. What we see God do throughout Scripture is multiply our earnest efforts when we bring them to him. And so I think we can look at, um, you know, the part of the Gospels where that little boy brings the fishes and the loaves, and I really like the John 6 version of this, but basically Jesus has been ministering and healing people all day, and the disciples get really tired, and so they go up to Jesus and they're like, um, we're doing great. We're loving this, but I think people are hungry. So you should probably, you should probably send them home. We should call it a day. Um, but Jesus, he always feeds hungry people. So Jesus is like, mm, no, we're going to feed them. You guys want to handle that? Like, you want to go figure it out? Um, and you can just like, I feel it. Like they're so, <laughs> they thought they had this plan and now they're like in a whole, whole situation. Um, but this little boy brings his five loaves of bread and his two fish and that's the only, the only contribution that we are made aware of in this passage. It's just this little boy who earnestly went up to Jesus and said, here's what I have. And Jesus doesn't look at him and say, this is embarrassing. There are at minimum 5,000 people here. <laughs> like, good try. <laughs> Thank you. You can go sit down and eat your fish. Um, no, Jesus 
takes the loaves, he gives thanks, and he distributes to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. And then they had 12 baskets of food left over. So God is always in the business of taking our earnest contribution, what we earnestly bring to the table, and multiplying them. So if you have five minutes and you read a few verses of Ephesians or James or Exodus, and you bring that to the Lord as an honest offering of what you have that day, I think you will be amazed at how he can multiply its effects in your life. I think you will be amazed at how he can still teach you about his character, and he can still impart power into your daily life. I think you'll be amazed at the power you see just from that tiny little practice and at the way that all of a sudden you crave it more and more and more and are able to make space in your life for it without having to, again, just like muscle, muscle it into existence and force it into happening. But before I close, I think maybe the most important part of approaching scripture is prayer. <laughs> and I think you can't talk about the Bible if you don't talk about prayer because, again, it's a relational activity, right? So, so we're listening to God. We're seeking God. We're trying to get to know God. But we're also responding to God. Um, we're also trying to get to know him better. And we're trying to hear him. And prayer is how we both speak and how we listen. There's, there's two parts to it. Um, but I think it's really important to incorporate that into this as well and to know that there's a lot of power in it. So the print on your table that you were probably really confused about up until now, um, this is also from Tara Lee Cobble, who does the Bible Recap Podcast. But this is kind of how she frames her time in Scripture, um, before, during, after. And I think it's just a really simple way of putting our hearts in the right space. And again, letting God meet us there, making a little bit of margin for him to come into whatever it is we're dealing with. Um, so I want you to take that home. I'm hoping that it's helpful. But before we close, I just want to um, pray these together, pray these over you. Uh, so, so join me. Join me in prayer. Dear Lord God, um, give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding as we open our Bibles and seek to make this a bigger part of our lives. Let any knowledge that we gain from reading your word serve to help us love you and others more and better and not to just puff us up. Lord, help us to see something new about you that we've never seen before. Let it overflow in our lives. Correct any lies that we believe about you or anything that we have misunderstood. And God, I just pray that you would direct our steps according to your word. Thank you, Lord, for this group of women. Thank you for the shared season, um, for the ways that we're able to just be together and understand the call that you've placed on us and, and process that in community. I just pray that in those places that we want to want your word, that you would um, just pour out generously. Help us to really desire and crave the time with you, to crave the understanding that we find in scripture. I pray that we would come to the Bible empty and that we would leave full, even if that's not the kind of fullness that we were expecting all the time. And I pray that you would just help us see radical power in seeking you in the Bible on a daily basis. God, I just pray for our families as well. I pray that as we continue to grow here, that we would see the impacts of this deep relationship with you in ways that we could never explain or expect. And God, I just pray, I pray, pray blessing over every woman here and every family that's represented. Um, you're a good God, and we cling to that even when 
we're exhausted and we're tired and we're wrung out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for letting me be with you guys this morning. Thank you so much. Um, I have a question. Um, we're going to do a little Q&A, but okay. I had a question first. How many habits can I stack on top of coffee? <laughs> that seems like a really good jumping off point for me. I am sure to do that every day. Um, does anybody have any questions for Whitney? Yes. Whitney, thank you so much. I am curious. Give us a glimpse into your day and a good day where you prioritize scripture and the busy day. You know, what does a day in your life look like? I learned by example. <laughs> well, I mean, again, I think I'm, I'm really, um, the days that are, are hard are probably a lot higher in number than the days that I feel like, oh, we killed it today. Like, great. But um, the good days, I would say, my husband gets up with our son and he does breakfast and he kind of handles the first part of the day before he goes to work. And during that time, I'm able to like, get my coffee and read the Bible for a second and process that in my journal or whatever that means. Um, and then for me, again, kind of part of how Scribble Devos even happened is that I process through writing. So I'll spend time writing and that, that helps me understand, I guess. And so that's when I leave scripture feeling like very refreshed and very excited. Um, and then I do work a full-time job. So juggling full-time taking care of a toddler and full-time job can be hard. But I, I think even to all of this, it's a lot easier for me to see how God provides extra minutes or, you know, the baby goes down easier than he normally does for nap time, so I'm not stressed to get onto the call at whatever time. You know, like, I see God's grace a lot more clearly when I have had that time in the morning. Um, it's usually only, like, 15 or 20 minutes just because there's so much other stuff that needs to be done. But... Yeah, I think, I think those are the days that start on the right foot, which is why I tend to be team morning Bible, <laughs> just because for me it gives me that perspective a little bit more effectively. Um, bad days, I can tell you very easily. Um, we are dealing with a major sleep regression right now, and we're also trying to get my son into his own room. After the move, we like never quite nailed that. So <laughs> he's been in our room for a really long time. Um, we just didn't have a space for him. And now we're trying to put him in his own room before this baby gets here, and it's going terribly. It is not working. Um, so he will sometimes be up at like five. Both me and my husband wake up super depleted and annoyed and frustrated, and then the whole day is just like, you know, then the nap goes out the window because the baby's tired, and they're very, very delicate in that way. <laughs> but somehow invincible in others. I don't understand. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's kind of the main thing is just, like, however the day starts, it feels like it stays. And when I am afforded that time, again, it's just so much easier for me to see, like, okay, God, you see me. You're providing. Like, thank you for that extra time. On the other days, it's like everything is going wrong. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I don't know if that answers your question. but <laughs> Maybe you don't have this, but how, like, I struggle with guilt of, like, okay, I want to get up in the morning really early. Like, come on, you can do 10 minutes. Like, just set an alarm for 10 minutes. And like, nope, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um, but then, like, I, I struggle with maybe a little bit of guilt of, like, come on, Melinda, like, aren't you setting your priorities right? You know, like, why, why can't you do this thing that you want to do, you know? Yeah. Um, None of us struggle with guilt. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's, that's a big 
you know, ironically, that same guilt is the thing that often keeps us from trying in the first place because we're tired of failing. Um, and a lot of what I think frames kind of my spiritual journey, which I didn't touch on at all, was that I had a pretty intense eating disorder in college. And the thing that really got me there was that I was all or nothing all the time. So it's kind of like if you are trying to be perfect and you're trying to check all these boxes and be this ideal version of yourself, then the second that you have a second cookie or you, you know, eat the donut that you swore off of, then you feel like you failed and then all of a sudden you've eaten 45 donuts, you know? Like there's this all or nothing about it that I think is really stressful and unhealthy and toxic to any type of positive change in our life. So when it comes to the Bible, I think there's a very similar like, Ugh, if I miss it one day, then why even try? Like, I'm not even going to show up tomorrow. I'm not even going to try to give that little that I might have, even if it's five minutes, even if it's two minutes. And I'm going to assume that God's mad at me the way that I'm mad at me, but God's not mad at you. Um, so I think clinging to the reality that, like, God's not speaking to you the way that you're speaking to you. God is sad that you feel so disappointed in yourself that you don't want to try again tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, I think clinging to the fact that his mercies are new every morning, and that if his mercies for you are new every morning, then your mercies for you should be new every morning. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's a battle that we're all going to be fighting really in every department, but again, to just trust that whatever you do have to give is, is really beautiful, as long as, again, you're being honest about it, and you're earnest, and you're, you're truly bringing the Lord the margin that you have. Thank you so much for being so transparent. <laughs> I can so relate to that. <laughs> um, so this is kind of more of a comment, I guess, but I've felt like I've been in a pretty dry season for quite a while because I have twins and they are five and a half now. But, <laughs> you know, before the pandemic, there were the twin babies. And um, so I've kind of been on a journey just with, you know, the self-condemnation, the guilt, all these things of the thoughts of I should, I should be doing this, I should be doing this, and, and so forth. But um, I think some of the things God's been showing me is that I kept looking at the past and what my relationship to God and my devotions and stuff like looked like in the past and feeling like it needs to be like that. And yet my life is nothing like it was then. <laughs> and so... I really felt like the Lord has told me to let go of what that was in the past because I'm doing a new thing. And so you don't need to compare what it is now to what it used to be because, you know, your life looks totally different. Um, and so I really feel like I've had to lay that down and say, okay, Lord, well, what is, what does this look like now? Um, and I think too, just, I feel like I strive a lot because <laughs> I'm a perfectionist and just saying like, okay, Lord, Holy Spirit, you need to do the heavy lifting here. I can't make myself feel what I want to feel. I just need to be available and say yes to you. And so that's just a couple thoughts. So, Well, and I think what that made me think of too is like, again, when you're talking to high schoolers, a lot of the time their life is pretty easy and they have time. So you almost have to like, you don't have to force sanctification, but you have to like take them on a retreat far away and put them in a totally new environment to like really 
draw out of them an interest in the process of sanctification. And I think as moms, sanctification is drug out of you whether you want it to be or not. Like every minute of your life, you're like, darn yourself, darn yourself, darn yourself. You know, like you're, you're fighting tooth and nail to not be sanctified. And God's like, no, it's happening. <laughs> you know? So I think there's part of that too. Like maybe an hour long quiet time in the way we used to have it isn't even really as beneficial as just like saying yes to the circumstances that God has put us in. Like we don't have a choice. Like let's get on board with his program. Um, and again, I think that's kind of why like Sometimes less is okay, less is good, less is maybe even more because it becomes less about what you're bringing to the table and more about how God's able to use that. So yeah, I think that's super true. Yeah, when you said about condemnation, I just thought of that verse, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And it's not that there's a little bit of condemnation, you know, because I think as a a uh, person who grew up in church and, and uh, was involved in many Christian ministries and things, I always thought, yeah, there, there's just a little bit, though, you know. <laughs> and, and so if you're not doing this, then there, there's, there's a little bit, and you should pay attention to that, you know. And, and I love the verse that you quoted, too, about um, his mercies are new every morning. I love that in Lamentations. And I, I spent a lot of time uh, hiding God's word in my heart as a younger person. And now in the last couple of years, I have thought so much about doing the Bible. And um, I've just thought so much about, and you moms, you are doing the Bible. You are raising children. And um, it's a lot of doing, as you know. There's not tons of time to, for medication. Medi- medication, maybe. <laughs> too much time for meditation. That could be there too, but (laughs) meditation. And um, I just think you got to give yourself a break. And you also have to think, where is God in this moment with this child right now? You know, how can I reflect God? And it's not so much of pulling away from the child maybe and studying, studying, studying God's word, even though it's so important. And I totally believe that. But I think doing God's word is really important, too. Yeah. Doing the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. That's your mom. Yeah, that's what you guys look like. Yeah, yeah, I see it. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like God, God will show up while you're parenting your kids so much. Like, I'm, like, reading the Jesus Storybook Bible, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I never saw oh it gosh. that way. Tears Sally Lloyd-Jones. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it just happens. Like, God, God can multiply that effort, right? Well, ladies, let's just take a little bit of time. Um, Thank you so much, Whitney. Thank you. Thanks for letting me sit and breathe heavily into the microphone.